The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus moved about within Galilee. He did not wish to travel in Judea because the Jews were trying to kill him. But the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles was near. But when his brothers had gone up to the feast, he himself also went up, not openly, but as it were, in secret. Some of the inhabitants of Jerusalem said, Is he not the one they are trying to kill? And look, he is speaking openly, and they say nothing to him. Could the authorities have realized that he is the Christ? But we know where he is from. When the Christ comes, no one will know where he is from. So Jesus cried out in the temple area as he was teaching and said, You know me, and also know where I am from. Yet I did not come on my own. But the one who sent me, whom you do not know, is true. I know him, because I am from him, and he sent me. So they tried to arrest him. But no one laid a hand upon him because his hour had not yet come. The Gospel of the Lord. Once again, on our Fridays during the season of Lent, there is a sharp and clear note of the Passion sounded in our liturgy and in particular in terms of the readings that are placed before us today, which are well worth reading again at home and taking some time with, especially with regard to the way they really set the table for our upcoming celebration of the great feasts of Holy Week. The words with which the gospel concludes today are very, very important. They tried to seize him and put him to death, but no one could lay a hand upon him because his hour had not yet come. It is important never to lose sight of the fact that Jesus is not a victim of circumstances, that Jesus doesn't die because events got out ahead of him and he was swept up in all of that. His death is not an accident. His death was not avoidable on earthly terms because he has come precisely to lay down his life. But he is the one who will lay down his life. It is not that the world will take it from him. And that will happen on the appropriate day, at the appropriate time, and in the appropriate way. Note how remarkable that really is when we pause with it. Why does the Lord come into the world? And we celebrate that feast day tomorrow, the feast of his incarnation, the Annunciation of the Lord, Why does he come into the world? He comes to the world to bear the cross by which he will save us. 
And so every step of his life is a step that is taken in the direction of the cross. It is a step made on the way of the cross. His birth in the manger on December 25th is a step made on the way of the cross. His call of his disciples by the Sea of Galilee is a step made along the way of the cross. And when the Lord says, follow me, he knows exactly where he is going. He is going to bear the cross by which and through which he will save us. But everything will happen in its time and in its place according to the will of God. And the heart of man struggles with this. The believer's heart as much as anybody else's from time to time. Because we have this notion in our minds that if I'm suffering, somehow God is not doing his job. This is that misguided perspective that we see articulated in our first reading, and it is worth lingering with it. The just one we hear is obnoxious to us. We hear the voice of the wicked, the evildoer, the sinner, who finds that the just man is painful to be around because he reminds me of how off course my life is. And I find that I can't corrupt him. He wants nothing to do with the useless and vicious practices to which I have surrendered myself. And because of that, I'm uncomfortable. Because of that, I feel threatened. The world around us is very much like that. That is a spirit that is alive and well in the world around us. The minute one begins to hold himself or herself to a different and higher moral standard, right away the voice of compromise raises itself. Why are you trying so hard? Why do you need to be different? Who do you think you are? Do you think you're better than me? And note that these are exactly the things that we hear in sacred scripture from the voice of the wicked. I do not feel threatened by the good man because he has been vicious to me, but because he is different from me in a way that points out the fact that I am not living as I should. But I don't want to change. And because I don't want to change, because I would rather wallow in my sinfulness, the solution is let me get rid of the inconvenient just person. Let me find a way to bring him down. This is common. This is not unique to 2,000 years ago. The world still works this way today. And the believer must be aware of that. The minute one attempts to grow in his or her faith, 
the minute one really does take the issue of conversion and change of heart seriously, often the greatest resistance is from those who are closest to us, who are suddenly uncomfortable that we act differently, speak differently, live a little differently. And if that comes with making a break from certain behaviors and not going back to them, that can feel to others like a threat or a rejection, even though that is not what is happening. It's a rejection of behavior, but not a rejection of people. And so we see here this world that doesn't want to change and is scandalized by the just man. And what do we hear? In language reminiscent of Jesus, he styles himself the Son of God. Let's put that to the test. And the test is remarkable. Let us try his patience and see how real it is. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because this isn't confession. But how often and how easily do we lose our patience on a daily basis? And on some levels, note, why is the world making my life so difficult? Let me try his patience and see how real it is. Let me insult him and see if he responds with the same viciousness with which I attack him. Because what happens then? The just man gives evidence that his justice is a lie, a mask. These things that often happen to us, these inconveniences, the way the world impinges upon us, if we make the mistake of receiving them in anger only as mere inconveniences, we miss the fact that what they really are are challenges to show who we really are. This is where that expression of a person showing his true colors comes from. Let me put you in a difficult situation and see what's really there. And so the world begins responding that way. If you're really going to live this way, let's find out. Let's find out. Let us try his patience. Let us humiliate and insult him and see what the response is. However, if the response is good, then let's test even further because that makes us more uncomfortable. I can't overcome his patience. Even when I am hostile, he or she still is considerate. What do I do then? Note how this speaks about the passion. Let us condemn him to a shameful death. Let us revile him and let us torture him. Because if God is really his father, if he is really the Son of God, God will defend him and God will rescue him. And note the implication. If I suffer in any serious way, either God doesn't exist or God has rejected me. 
And there are all too many who think this way, all too many who believe this way. I am suffering. Where is God? He can't be real. I am struggling. Where is God? I've done nothing wrong. And note how we will hear exactly this thing on Palm Sunday and again on Good Friday when we read the Passion. What do the people at the foot of the cross say? If you are really the Son of God, if you are really the Christ, then save yourself because you don't have to suffer this. What a remarkably prescient reading we have here from the Book of Wisdom. The voices we will hear directed toward Jesus at the foot of the cross the proof that you're not the Son of God is that you're suffering. The proof that you're not the Son of God is that you are rejected and humiliated and you're dying and no one rescues you. That's the proof that you're not really who you say you are. The irony is his laying down his life in such incredible patience and mercy on the cross is precisely the proof that he is exactly who he says he is. Because the ways of God are not our ways. And this is the point the Book of Wisdom makes. They thought this way, but they don't know the mind of God. This is also why Jesus turns to those people in the temple and says, you only think you know where I'm from, but I come from the Lord and you don't know him. You don't know where I'm from. You simply know the circumstances of my birth and where I live. But you don't know where I am from because you do not know the God who has sent me. And so what do we see? Suffering is not a sign of God's rejection. Suffering is a fact of life in this world. And it's a fact of life in this world because man brought it on his own head by turning away from the Lord and refusing forgiveness. And so we live in a world where pain is a fact of life, whether one believes in God or not. Pain comes. Suffering comes. Death comes. That is, in fact, the reality of our world. Where things are different is this. The worldly mind sees no value, no good, nothing positive or dignified in suffering, hardship, and pain. And when the world thinks that way, it effectively turns to you and says, when you suffer, you are no good to me. When you suffer, you are merely a burden. When you suffer, you have no real value. When you are going through difficult times, I'll tell you what, when things settle down, we'll talk again. In other words, I can't bother to be with you now. Note the attitude. Note the attitude. And yet, in the eye of God, in the Christian perspective, suffering has great value and great meaning, in part because it is part of our lives, and in part because it is by suffering, our suffering, 
that the Lord has chosen to redeem us. And when he does that, he says, the patience shown in suffering is a sign of the patience of God who puts up with so much from us. The ability to look forward with hope, even in the face of difficulty, is a sign of great trust in one who is greater and mightier than myself. The ability in my suffering and in my lack to still be good to another is a sign that grace is really working in me. Note the difference. Anybody can be kind and generous when he's wealthy and happy. But it takes real heroism and real love when I'm not those things. And I can still show that generosity and that kindness. Anyone can give a word of encouragement when everything is going completely well. But one who is troubled and yet can still find a reason to hope, that is a great thing. Note what we see here. Because man brought suffering on himself, what the Lord will do, what God does, is he works with it. He doesn't wave his hand and make it go away. We've made the world a certain way. And yet the Lord will meet us in that world. And so look at the greatness of Jesus. What does he do? He steps out of the glory of heaven and he takes our fragility, our weakness, our woundedness, and he makes it his own. So that no one can ever say, I'm too broken for God to love. I'm too wounded for the Lord to accept. I am nothing but a burden, and that is all I am. Because the Lord takes it all onto himself, including stretching out his hands on the rough wood of the cross of our guilt and being nailed to it. Because that is who the Son of God is. Note how remarkable this is. The great proof that he is exactly who he says he is is found in those marvelous words as he is nailed to the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Let us condemn him to a shameful death. Let us torture him. Let us revile him. Let us stress his patience and see if he is really the Son of God. And the world does all those things. And the proof? is right there. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He is, in fact, the Son of God. Only the Son of God could say such a thing in such circumstances. And when he does that, he sanctifies and makes holy all of the suffering and all of the woundedness any of us has ever experienced. And if we unite ourselves with him in those things, there is just no way to be closer to him. Note how marvelous that is and how remarkable that is. The world doesn't see it. In its cleverness, it thinks it is demonstrating the opposite. And yet in his greatness, 
the Lord shows us the truth quite clearly in the midst of all of that. Because the Lord always knows exactly what he is doing. He has come to lay down his life, and he will, in fact, lay it down in the right way, on the right day, at the right hour. And because he will do that, we will see. There is indeed no greater love than this. But if the world treats the goodness of the Savior this way, we should be ready for the fact that when we strive for goodness in our own lives, these are the things that come to us. And all too often we believers, without thinking, quickly lay aside the dignity of who we really are because we allow the world around us to drag us down to its level. But the Christian, we see here in our readings today, should aspire to something higher. That is not to say I am better than you to the world around us, but it is to say to the world around us, but there is a better way to live. And I want to be about that. It doesn't make me better than you, but it may mean that my feet are walking a better path and you're welcome to join me. And how beautiful and how powerful that really is. And having said all of that, note how wonderful it is that he will be here, but we know where he comes from. Not simply because we know he is Jesus of Nazareth, born in Bethlehem, but because we know he comes from heaven to be with us here in this place. And how wonderful the mind of God is, and how humble the Lord is, that he comes in such a quiet and understated way, disguised as a piece of bread. And yet it is him. And we can come forward and stretch out our hands to receive him. So that we can bear his life out into the world, or better, his life, his patience, his goodness, can bear us back out into a world that doesn't know the Lord, but does probe regularly to see if he will show his face. Let us test their patience. Let us inconvenience them. Let us see if they are who they say they are. Would that around the world this day, we who profess faith in Jesus Christ, give the witness that the question asks for. Amen.